DAB Plus online via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello and welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. We had a full round of EFL fixtures uh, this weekend after the international break and they did not disappoint. Leicester thumping Southampton 4-1 to put the pressure on Russell Martin. You have a choice to either really support your team and, and go through the pain with us and to, uh, to stick with it because it will be worth it in the end or you can make it a bit more difficult for the players. On Tuesday night we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Leeds United silenced the den in south-east London as they put three past Millwall. Dan James using his pace down the centre, the cross in, looking for Ruta. There's a slip from Mitchell. Ruta can make it three, and he does. And Leeds United are running away with this. And Port Vale have been sensational uh, in League One since their opening day thrashing at Barnsley. You're going to hear exclusively from their manager, Andy Crosby. I want them to come and watch our games and be excited and, and be in love with their team and, and see that their team are going to run around and, and they really care about representing the club really well. We'll also react to the big news that Neil Warnock is stepping down from his managerial role at Huddersfield Town. So many games, so many interesting scorelines to discuss with the former Arsenal and Stevenage midfielder Adrian Clark over the next hour on EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I am Hugh Wizencroft, your host, and as I mentioned, Adrian Clark is alongside me in the studio on a weekend, a weekend uh, that was great for sport generally, mm. but that the EFL delivered end-to-end, exciting football, some fantastic goals as well. Um, yeah, it was one It was one to delight in. I loved it. I really did. I thought it, it kicked off in style with the game uh, at St Mary's. It, I mean, it was a little bit of a car crash for Southampton fans, and, and we'll get to that shortly. I, I mean, no doubt about that. But as a spectacle, it was great fun to watch. And then across Saturday and Sunday, we saw some brilliant goals. Absolutely outstanding. And yeah, things are beginning to just hot up, aren't they? They are. I think the hot seats are getting hotter, Ooh. if you like. Uh, yeah, some of the backsides getting pretty warm uh, because <laughs> some of the managers are under pressure. We'll come to Southampton, Swansea too, mm. and some of the other divisions as well. Cheltenham Town, where the results aren't quite going the way that fans want them. Middlesbrough, Michael Carey, all of that on EFL All Access over the next hour. Um, but we'll start with someone who has already leapt out of the hot seat. Um yeah, did he jump or was he pushed? We're not quite sure. Neil Warnock announcing that he's going to step down from Huddersfield Town. The Terriers 17th in the championship after a 2-0 win over Rotherham at the weekend. Warnock believes now's the right time. Um, Stoke City on Wednesday will be his final game in charge. However, he has announced that he's not retiring. Before we discuss it, uh, Adrian, let's hear from the man himself. Uh, Huddersfield holding a press conference earlier this afternoon to, to announce the news. Here's what Neil Warnock had to say. When Dean brought me back, you know, I mean, it was Dean who pleaded with me for days and days and days and changed my mind. Um, and I said to him, look, Dean, I'll, I'll come back and help um, while I'm wanted. And, you know, obviously, once I'm, I'm told that, you know, they're ready to bring somebody in. I, yes, I've got to admit, I thought it would be about Christmas time. Are you with me? But it's come earlier, you know, sooner than, than I'd expected. Um, but once they've told me that, you know, I think you've, then you've got to move on quickly, really. You can't, I think, any job, uh, not being disrespectful, if you're not wanted type of thing, you, you, you want to go straight away, don't you? 
Well, you can understand that from Neil Warnock, can't you? In his press conference, he also said there'd been no fallout that he was aware of. It's just about the club deciding to make the next step, as they always said they would, and you can't say fairer than that. But um, I'm quite intrigued by it, because at the start of the season, Neil Warnock was essentially saying, I wanted to go, but as he mentioned there, I I was begged to stay. Now he's kind of making noises as if he's been forced out. It seems very strange. Well, his pride is hurt a little bit, isn't it? Because it it sounds to me, reading between the lines, that he's heard some whispers that they've started to sound out other people and he's maybe confronted them over that. And the answer is, they've been honest and said, well, yeah, we're making plans for, for your successor. And... (laughs) <laughs> they've had a conversation that has ended with him saying, well, I'll go now then. And and I, I do get that from his point of view. It's a, it's a strange one. Neil was funny, isn't he? I think he prefers the short-term deals anyway. Mm. I think he is a firefighter at, at, at this point. He can go and have a little mini-retirement, as some people call them, uh, over the next few months. And I have no doubt whatsoever that that come January, February, March, someone in desperate need will come knocking at Neil Warnock's door and he'll be back and he'll do another rescue job. He's brilliant at it. 17th in the table. It's not bad. It's not bad, is it, for Huddersfield? So only lost three. And and two of those games were against um, Leicester City and Norwich City. So there's there's nothing to be ashamed of this Mm. season. It's not been terrible by any stretch of the imagination but I guess with the style of football being you know not attritional but it's maybe not the most modern style of football maybe the ownership are looking to bring someone in with more modern ideas that they can progress um, and move forward with it's it is an intriguing one though because you know what you get with Neil Warnock and and you know what you've been getting with Neil Warnock so far this season and I I feel like they they uh, listen, I say take a decision. Maybe, as you mentioned, Neil Warnock has found out that they're making plans that were meant to come further down the line. Yep. And he's decided, well, look, I- I'm not going to work in-, in these conditions. But it does leave the season in a little bit of jeopardy, depending on the decision that the hierarchy at Huddersfield now makes. Do, is there a Huddersfield Town fan out there that thought if Neil Warnock stayed the entire season that they would get relegated from the championship? I don't think so. I think they felt... Pretty safe. They knew they wouldn't go for promotion. They haven't yeah. got the squad for that anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I think that relegation is unlikely when Neil Warnock is at the helm. Whoever they appoint, it's a risk. It's a massive gamble because Neil is a safe pair of, ha- of hands. So we'll, we'll see what goes. He says he's not retiring, so as you mentioned, <laughs> Neil Warnock could be back. He's a great character. We Loves love him. It. Love him in the EFL. But um, yeah, for those Terriers fans, I think this week will be a very interesting one to see who they appoint. And really... You know, I, I'm putting you on the spot here. You, you, you try and wreck your mind over who might take over the job. I, I, you know, I spoke to Darren Moore recently. I know he was in Yorkshire, of course, with Sheffield Wednesday, hearing little noises here or there that Derby County might be thinking if things don't perk up when it comes to Paul Warren, he might be a name that they might consider. Um, I think he'd be brilliant for the job at Huddersfield. In fact, I think I think he'd be brilliant for virtually any job in the EFL. Mm. But, um, you know, the big decision comes soon. Yeah, Darren Moore... And Nathan Jones are the favourites. And there are a lot of good managers out of work at the moment. Chris Wilder, of course, as well. So they won't be short of options. There's a lot of of talented coaches out there. But, yeah, it feels a little bit sad. I just, from my point of view, I kind of wish that that Neil Warnock would have stuck to his guns and and said, you know what, I've come and saved you from relegation. 
that's me done mm. uh, and moved on then because it it was always going to pan out this way yeah yeah and and i think it's a shame to have got through all the work over the last few weeks and then it's just done just like that yeah yeah okay important weeks uh, on the horizon for huddersfield town let's talk about that game you mentioned though the one that kicked off the weekend on friday night southampton won leicester city four at st mary's jamie vardy Scoring after 21 seconds is not what the Saints fans wanted off the back of a 5-0 drubbing. They gifted opportunities. Um, Listen, Russell Martin, the manager, has been speaking today ahead of their game with Ipswich tomorrow. We're going to hear from him in a moment anyway, but he's basically saying they've had a a really positive couple of days. And that, that I find strange. He says, we're seeing the signs of what's to come. It's like... Well, what about what's just come? I mean, you're conceding goals left, right and centre. There's no way your group of players are excited about what they put out on Friday night. I like his positivity. I love his style of play. I like the bravery of it. But is this style of football going to get Southampton promoted? I don't think so. And they have a squad that can absolutely be promoted back to the Premier League. But because they're putting themselves in these quite frankly, ridiculous situations sometimes where they're overplaying in areas where it's just not on, leaving themselves wide open, they're gifting goal after goal after goal to, to teams they shouldn't be conceding against. I would fit, you know, Russell Martin needs to start getting clean sheets and then yeah. I would say that, that they can start to feel a little bit more positive about things. It's great to have an identity. It's great to have such a clear philosophy on the way you want to play. But if it's not working... Is he doing his job properly if, if he neglects fixing yeah. the issues that, that aren't working? I, I would say that, that that's a little bit negligent. So he's an idealist. That's what he is. He's an idealist coach. Um, and I admire it. But at the same time, is it going to be... Is he a winner as a coach? And his CV, unfortunately, until this point, doesn't say that he is. Yeah, yeah. He says results dictate everything in football. But not in here. We've had a brilliant couple of days discussing what went wrong and what went right and how we could have capitalised more. And again, you're thinking about the wrong end of the pitch when you're conceding nine goals in the previous two games. The other thing I'd say is, you know, at his previous clubs, it has taken a while Mm. for his methods to sink in. You know, I, I don't know if the Saints fans or the Saints board expect some teething problems before they eventually, you know, get going. But this is a club that would have wanted to immediately bounce back to the Premier League. The Saints board expects promotion back to the Premier League. That's what they expect. They're not going to give him that much time. If it looks as if Southampton are going to finish mid-table and not even make the playoffs, they will make a change. It's it's as simple as that. He needs to get results pretty quickly, Russell Martin. Um, Yeah, he's, he's under pressure, big time. Let's hear what he had to say at the weekend. Uh, Russell Martin, the Southampton boss, with the Saints supporters, by the way, making their voices heard uh, after the full-time whistle, has implored the fans to get behind the team. Football is so interesting because two games ago, everyone's loving it, everyone's loving life, we, we're unbeaten, uh, and now two games later, we're a terrible team. It's, you know, I'm sure there'll be people saying what they want to say. Um, but if anyone thought we were going to get to where we want to get to without any pain, then that's really naive. So, for me, it's been the same at every club I've been at. Um, and by the end of every club we've been at, uh, we felt a really strong connection with the fans, and the fans have enjoyed what we've done on the whole. Obviously, you're not going to uh, please everyone, so uh, we'll make sure of that. But it's so early. You have a choice to either really support your team and, and go through the pain with us and to, uh, to stick with it, because it'll be worth it in the end, or you can make it a bit more difficult for the players. On Tuesday night, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. 
Just don't want to hear him putting himself at loggerheads with the fans. Nah, it's a bad, it's a bad idea. You know, he's used the word naive there. He's he, he's telling the fans how they should be feeling. The bottom line is they pay their money for the, t- you know, the ticket prices aren't cheap. Yeah, they do like the style of football, but they also don't want to see their side concede four and five goals every week, do they? Yeah. That that's a pretty miserable experience. So yeah, yeah there's, I, there's pain. Like a pinch, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and exactly. there's, and they're getting slaughtered as well. So you know they, they might have expected a little bit of pain, yeah. but they don't want to see their side getting hammered. Yeah, they, yeah, te- yeah. Teething issues are are par for the course, but that that is a massive issue. That that what's happened in the last few weeks structurally, they've been shambolic. That they, they've conceded the most goals in the championship. This is one of the favourites. It, it shouldn't be happening. Uh, very quickly, let's talk about the team at the top of the table where Southampton, I'm sure, wish they were. And that is Preston after a 2-1 win over Plymouth. Another game, Gilted's chances at both ends. Um, at times, you've got to give credit to Plymouth. They sliced Preston open on occasion, but Preston made their chances count. Uh, back at the top of the table, Ryan Lowe, of course, beating his former side as well. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the early start to the season... You wonder if Preston have what it takes to yeah. to build on this, but you think certain sides hit that wave of form where they're on that momentum of cloud nine football and everyone's just enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. And you and for a lot of teams in the EFL, we've seen that last 20, 25 games, all right, yeah. not unbeaten in that run, but just playing really good football that no one expected. Can Preston be that side? Yeah, I think they can. They've given themselves some wriggle room, haven't they, Preston North then? Because there will be bumps in the road. They will lose games. But they've they've built up a tally of points that, that puts them in and around the playoff picture at least until Christmas now. You know, they've, they've got off to a dream start. Haven't played that many of the top sides in the championship yet but this was a good test because Plymouth have got their own threats and and obviously Steven Schumacher is a good friend of Ryan Lowe's who have known his game plan I think inside out the, the story of this game was Liam Miller the debutant came in he's a Canadian international came in at left wing back which has been a bit of a problem position for Preston over the last few years and he bossed it Set up the first goal with a great run and cross. Scored a beauty, bursting into the area. Quick feet and a finish. And he created a wonderful chance later on in the game for Osmajic, the new striker, with a, with a lovely run and cross. Liam Miller looks like a great pickup from PNE. Uh, absolutely fantastic uh, performance from him. Yeah, the cherry on the cake was that goal as well. Hopefully, uh, just for those North End fans who've been waiting a long time for a real oh. tilt at promotion, this could be their year. Are they the biggest club never to have reached the Premier League? Yeah, I think they're, they're, them and Bristol City, I think, are the two biggest that yeah. have never made it to the promised land. I don't think Bristol City would do it this year, but Preston have given themselves a shot at it. Yeah, it could be an amazing story. Another amazing story from the EFL this year. Let's hope they can maintain that form and properly challenge. Uh, we'll talk about more from the Championship next on EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access. On TalkSport 2. Thank you. 
This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wizencroft, joined by the former Arsenal and Stevenage midfielder Adrian Clark. Remember, you can listen to EFL All Access as a podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. So make sure you hit the notification button. You can check it out there, uh, wherever that is. Um, listen, we've still got more to come from the championship. Let's dive straight back into it, Adrian. Mm. Uh, the Millwall fans not really enjoying their uh, afternoon at the Den on Sunday. Uh, losing 3-0 to Leeds will leave a bad taste in the mouth. Joel Perot with a double, uh, helping them register a second win of the season. Leeds up to 10th now in the table. Two points off the playoffs, so their their fans will be feeling a lot more comfortable about the situation. Uh, Millwall 18th following a third defeat in their five games. Um, Joel Perot, let's talk about him because he's finally, I think, just beginning to form a relationship with his teammates and settle in. Could be a huge player for them this season. I think he will be a huge player for them this season. He was my tip to be Championships player of the season uh, before we all kicked off. And I said at the time, I think on the preview show, whoever gets Joel Perot is, is going to have a massive leg up in terms of getting promotion to the Premier League. And he started very, very nicely. It's a lovely goal. It's a lovely team goal. Mm. Well, both of his goals came from beautiful moves, great pieces of interplay. Jorginho Ruter played a big, big part in those goals as well. But yeah, Perot, what I love about him, aside from movement, and movement among strikers is really, really important. You've got to be smart and clever, and he is. But what I love is that he scores different types of goals. He will score... He will spank it in for 25 yards sometimes, and then on other occasions he'll get a poacher's goal like he did at the New Den. His first goal in this game, the way he touched it and finished it in one movement, yeah. was poetry yeah, yeah. in motion. And that was the sign of a real classy front man, in my opinion. And there's, there's the sort of... Sh- you know, green shoes there. You think Pirot and Ruter, are they going to have a combination? Because if if a manager can find a front two that clicks, that, that, is, that is the dream really because they're great talents, those two. And it baffles me a little bit that, that Leeds didn't use Ruter really at all in the Premier League. They're signing for big money and they wrote him off before he'd really been given a chance. I think now we're starting to see what they paid the big money for. Yeah, I think, you know, I went to one of Leeds games uh, recently, Sheffield Wednesday game, where they obviously didn't yeah. didn't deliver a, a victory. And I was actually concerned about Ruta and Perot, their styles. They didn't seem to have any kind of chemistry. Yeah. I wanted Perot, as I'd seen him at Swansea, to be towards the penalty box, central. Yeah, coming short to link up. But he was yeah. dropping really deep into midfield. And I thought... Maybe Leeds United just need a little bit extra in midfield to help them out. And they obviously brought in the likes of, of Jaden Anthony um, very late in the window. Glenn Kamara came in too. Mm. But it's actually the same side that I watched on that day that, that started this weekend. Mm. And yet you you felt that there was a transformation there. It was on the counters where they really looked at their best. And obviously in the home game against Sheffield Wednesday, they didn't get the chance to counter very much because they're up against quite a defensive opponent. So they've got to find a way to win those games mm. at Ellen Road where teams set up more cautiously. I think when they're away, they're going to be dynamic and because they've got so much pace. Nonto, Somerville. Mm. What about the two subs that came on? Daniel James and Jaden Anthony. I mean, they're two Premier League quality players. Yeah. Um, Bournemouth were quite reluctant to let Anthony go so they've got four great wingers and I think they've got two strikers that can gel it's just they are a bit light in central midfield I love the partnership of of young Archie Gray and and Ethan Ampadu it's brilliant it's working great but 
what what what's behind them? Yeah, um, that that would be my worry moving forwards. But I think Leeds will climb the table. I'll be, I'll be staggered if they're not at least in the top six by Christmas. Let's get to the South Wales derby next. Uh, went off without a hitch, really, on Saturday oh, thank night. Yeah. Thankfully, exactly. But did finish at Cardiff City to Swansea City nil to put real pressure, I think, on Mike Duff, the uh, Swansea boss. Uh, it actually halted Swansea's run of four straight wins in the fixture since 2021. It's only their fourth derby victory in 12 attempts, Cardiff City. So it was really one to savour, but still looking for that first win. Uh, in the championship uh, for Michael Duff and they are in the bottom three Swansea how big uh, is the pressure on his shoulders it's huge I I think that that Michael Duff needs a win in midweek he needs a win at the weekend he needs to ease the pressure on himself not many managers lose that derby and survive to to, to host the next one or to be involved in the next one history will tell you that so it's pretty brutal down there in, in South Wales, and I think that Michael Duff has got a lot of work to do. He was trying to be upbeat afterwards, but my my honest take, having watched the game, is that in that second half, his players did not deliver at all. They got steamrolled. Cardiff wanted it more. They were more athletic, more powerful, more attacking. Swansea didn't offer much at all, and and that was a concern. There wasn't really that much fight here yeah. among the Swansea players. Cardiff... It was a dream day. Absolutely superb. Loved Ollie Tanner and his contribution with the goal off the bench and, and winning the penalty. Aaron Ramsey coming to the fore. Yaku Meite was excellent. It was it was terrific. And in central midfield, Cardiff bossed it. Um, Siopis, the Greek player, mm-hmm. has come in really, really good. And, and yeah, Swansea's midfield three were, were non-existent. Uh, Mike Duff so, talking about quality is the difference uh, on the day said basically every time we played a forward pass we would lose it you can't win games like that yeah. he said it was a very different story to the previous defeat against Bristol City uh, listen the transfer window shut so the quality yeah. isn't going to get any better in terms of the players in that squad he has to get something more out of them and you look at the next three games and for me his job will be decided by yeah. the next three games away tomorrow at Queen's Park Rangers hosting Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend and then away at Millwall. Teams in and around you in the table right now, for me, he's probably going to have to pick up six points out of those games. Maybe four points will be enough to kind of settle things down. Yeah, I I think you've got to be not losing to QPR. You've got to be beating Sheffield Wednesday at home and and that Millwall Millwall away is always a tough game. So, yeah, four to six points should, should sort of keep the walls from the door. But... Anything less than that, and it would not surprise me if Swansea were to make an early change, which would be a real shame for Duff because he is a good manager. He proved it at Cheltenham, he proved it at Barnsley. He's earned he's earned this role the hard way, progressing through the leagues. Um, but yeah, this team are not reacting to him at the yeah, moment. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, he said he's confident in his methods given the mm. successes he's had at his previous clubs, but he's currently not getting enough out of this group of players at Swansea. So uh, worrying times for their fans and a big, big uh, couple of weeks ahead. 
Same two for Sheffield Wednesday. Their fans, as we know, aren't very happy at the moment. Ipswich Towns fans, they're absolutely dreaming at this point in town. They went to Hillsborough and won by a goal to nil at the weekend. They remain among the championship pace setters. Uh, Ipswich, perfect on their travels. Their third, just a point behind the leaders. Preston, Wednesday, winless with a single point in their opening six games. What do you make of these two teams right Mm, now? Well, yeah, Ipswich... uh... They've got great momentum, haven't they? And yeah, away from home, they've been. Well, this was a, this looks quite a solid win. I wouldn't say they've been super solid until this point. They've let in quite a lot of goals at Portman Road. They've gifted a lot of chances, but they've been creating. And and when you're creating, um, you're always in with the chance of winning games. So now I think Ipswich. Um, I said it, I think, last time I was on the show. If Ipswich can get in the playoffs, I think that will be a good achievement this season. Great. I know at the moment they've probably got their eye on top too because mm. they're absolutely flying but I don't know if they've got the depth when we get into those winter months when you're going you know Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Tuesday have they got the depth to depth of quality to see it through I'm not sure yet um, but they're on the right path that is for sure Sheffield Wednesday they're in a relegation battle um, and again I, I do fear a little bit for Cisco Munoz I think that he he will need to get victories pretty sharpish. We saw Chan, uh, the owner, Chancery, airing his dirty laundry in public last week, mm. <laughs> continuing that spat with Darren Moore that only he and Darren Moore care about, by the way. None of us, re- we've all moved on from it. Um, Chancery is, is clearly a little bit agitated and I, I don't think he can afford to have too many more defeats. Well, if life is disappointing at Sheffield Wednesday right now, imagine being the only team in the table who's actually beneath them. Middlesbrough beaten once again at Blackburn Rovers, two goals to one. I was there. I've got to say it was an end-to-end game. It could have gone... I think I I can say it could have gone either way because there was huge pressure by Middlesbrough at times. They had, I think, 20 shots uh, in the game. However, there were at least three sitters missed by Blackburn at the other end. Sammy Smodic scored two, but should have had a hat-trick at least. Uh, Very good chances. Uh, Tyrese Dolan should have put them one up early on. There was another header. Gilt-Ed's chance for Sam Gallagher. Big, big chances, but ultimately Blackburn get the job done and take all three points. The question is really, though about the pressure that could be coming on Michael Carrick. What do you think? I don't think it's going very well at all. Obviously, the league table tells you that. Michael is being very, very positive and upbeat, and he's he's saying that he's seeing a lot of positive signs and that he's just got to stick with it. And, and I like Michael Carrick, and I want him to succeed. But at the moment, the things that he's saying don't really reflect what I'm seeing and what a lot of the supporters are seeing from Middlesbrough. We talked earlier about Southampton's structure defensive structure how how easy or how difficult is it to create chances against Middlesbrough I think right now it's very easy to create chances against Middlesbrough we saw that Blackburn are not an elite championship team but they could have had five or six guilt edge chances they had and a lot of them were spurned I would be concerned about the structure of the team right now and, and I we talked about quality there with Swansea. They just don't have as much quality as they did last season. Yeah, and, yeah. and when you don't have quality in forward areas, it, it you're up against it because you need 20-odd chances to get the one. With a bit more quality, they, they could maybe fashion six or seven chances and score two or three. That's the difference. And I think, unfortunately, that Michael Carrick has been left a little bit short by Burris' work in the transfer market. That said, Lewis O'Brien will be a very 
Good pickup yeah. for him. I, I do like him as a player. Yeah, it was just kind of learning his role in the game, mm. but um, you could see the quality that's there. We know, especially in this mm. division, that he can be a, a very effective player. And yeah, maybe they just need, I think, Middlesbrough, those that came in towards the end of the window to settle in, mm. and that will help with the structure of the team because, um, you know, you, you look at their 11, you look at the squad, yeah. some of the players on the bench, and you just think, now they have to be better. They, they will be better than this. Mm. A goal scorer, you know, someone to go through a little bit of form in front of goal might be a big, big positive for Carrick and his side. Sheffield Wednesday next (laughs) in midweek. That is is a big, big game. I mean, if Middlesbrough lose that game, then... Well, look, you asked the question at at the weekend. I watched it on TV. You asked Michael, you said, look, is it a crisis? And he sort of jumped jumped out of his pants a little bit and said, crisis? No, of course it's not a crisis. We're fine. I know we're going to be fine. And I love that response. But the bottom line is, if they don't beat Sheffield Wednesday, if they lose to Sheffield Wednesday, I think the Borough supporters might view it as a crisis, even if he doesn't. Big game coming up. We'll see if uh, Middlesbrough can bounce back and get their first win of the season, or if the same will be true for Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, We will jump into League One after this. You're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18+. BeGambleAware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access, on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access here on TalkSport 2. I am Hugh Wizencroft and I'm alongside Adrian Clark, looking at the big stories in the EFL across the weekend. Uh, let's head into League One next. Loads of great games, loads of great goals too. Exeter staying top of the table with a 1-0 win over Cheltenham. Cheltenham Town, we need to discuss Cheltenham, who have not scored a goal this season after seven league games. Halifax Town hold the record for the longest goalless run at the start of a season. That was eight games, so they're almost there, back in 1990. So, listen, it's not a great time for Wade Elliott, Adrian, we have to say. They lost Alfie May, of course, to Charlton in the summer. 20 goals uh, and 23 goals in the last two seasons. Three centre-forwards were brought in, but they were all aged 20 or 21. Two from academy side. So, yeah, you hate to say it, but is this a Cheltenham team that already early in the season is kind of resigned to a, a fate here? Well, not not resigned to relegation, but it's, it's difficult to make a case that they will survive. If you can't score goals, you can't win matches. If you can't win matches, you will go down. So, yeah, it's it's been a bleak start. I did see them in the flesh earlier on in the season against Birmingham. And they just offered nothing in in forward areas. They did look short, no massive, no real pace, no great strength. Experience was was light. Yeah, look, when you sell someone like Alfie May, I think you've got to reinvest it in in another player that can go and score your goals. But they've they've invested it on potential, and I think that is a really really risky manoeuvre on Cheltenham's part. So yeah, for a young manager like Wade Elliott who did all right last year without sort of really excelling. I think this is this is a tough period for him and he, he needs a win desperately. They've got posh Peterborough United away this midweek. That won't be easy. Um, they might Peterborough United score a lot of goals. So, yeah, they're up against it. And strange things like a headline saying you've equaled the record for the number of games without a goal won't help either. No. Uh, but where do you think the club is? I was going to say mentally. They're a football club, so I'm not sure they, <laughs> they, they have that kind of cognizance. But, um, you know, 
as, as a club, where do you think they are in terms of Wade Elliott and, and his position? You know, they, they know that he's been dealt a certain hand. He has a certain group of players to work with. Yeah. Do you think the expectation is higher? I mean, it must be higher than not scoring in seven games, but look, they're going to be in a relegation battle. Is that what they expected or should there be pressure on Wade Elliott? No, I think they would have expected to be in a relegation battle. Yeah. Budget-wise, they'll be right among the lowest payers in the division. Um, they know they've sold their best player and haven't really replaced him adequately. Curtis Davis has come in, but he's, he's injured at the moment. I think he did, certainly didn't play at the weekend. So, no, I don't think that they expected to be mid-table or even top half. But at the same time, if you go seven or eight games or nine games without scoring, the the chairman has got to look at himself in the mirror and say, do I need to act here? Do I need to do something to, to just jolt us into life? And I think we've all you know, followed football long enough to realise that the answer to that question is, yeah, I need to act. So um, I think he's on borrowed time, unfortunately, which is a real shame because um, you know I think he's a very popular figure down there. Fingers crossed for Wade Elliott and Cheltenham. Things can turn around very, very soon, but they are right there at the bottom of the table. But after an opening day thrashing at Barnsley 7-0, that's... Uh, exactly where Port Vale were but things have turned around for them very very quickly because that defeat sparked a sensational run of form Vale have won 8 of their last 9 games in all competitions they're a team that nobody in League 1 wants to face right now earlier today I was lucky enough to catch up with their manager, Andy Crosby. Well Andy, second in the table off the back of a good win over Northampton as well Uh, uh, just tell us how pleased you are with the start to the campaign Um. Very pleased. Uh, we've recruited 14 new players. Um, so we're at the start of a hopefully a, a long a long process to, to get better. Uh, I've seen progress in, in our performances, both individually and collectively. So yeah, we, we, the group are in a good place, uh, that they're all being utilised, that the schedule is incredibly demanding um, at this moment in time. But yeah, we, we're delighted with how we start the season. Of course, it's your first permanent managerial position. You've started very well. What what have you learned about yourself, though, as a as a coach and a person since being appointed back in May? Um, well, it's something I've I've felt prepared for. You, I've got to be honest, for a number of years, uh, I've worked um, all the way from the Premier League to, to League Two as as an assistant manager, and have been waiting for an opportunity. I had a, a brief stint in charge of the Northern Ireland Under Twenty One um, international team, and. Maybe if things would have turned out different, I would have been in charge of them. So, uh, but yeah, I felt prepared. Um, obviously, been an assistant for a long period of time, done a number of games, but was was ready for the opportunity. And yeah, really enjoying the role as we speak. It does though change though being you know an assistant to being in charge of of the group of players. Is there something that you you thought you needed extra to bring to the role when you were given that job as the manager? Have you changed in any way? No, I've not tried to change at all. I've got to be honest. I think if you treat people with with respect and, and trust and, and build up good relationships with them and make sure that you care about them as people, I think it's, it's the right way to do uh, to, to do things. So, yeah, I, I've not tried to change in any way. I obviously have to make the, the big decisions and, and disappoint players and tell them they're not playing, which is tough because I, I see how hard everyone is working Monday to Friday. But, yeah, say enjoying the role. And doing very well at it as well. Um, taking you back to the first game of the season, I know you won't want to, to hear it, but a 7-0 defeat to Barnsley was one of the most stark results that, that we saw on that opening weekend. But but in a way, was it a good thing for you? Did it almost give yourself and the players 
a new focus, a laser-like focus to get back out there to turn things around instantly? Um, listen, it was an extremely disappointing scoreline. Um, if you'd have looked at the game uh, and how the scoreline panned out, it maybe was a little bit harsh on ourselves. But it was a it was a a process that we we go through every single game. We we looked at the game on the Monday morning as a group and spoke about things we hadn't done as well and things that we had to improve on immediately. And the amount of crosses and first contacts we allowed in our box against Barnsley wasn't going to get us very far if we continue to do that. But the response of the players and of the staff and of the whole football club has been really good. Uh, and we we won our next game against Fleetwood in the Carabao Cup. And we also find ourselves now in the, in the third round of the Carabao Cup for the first time in 13 or 14 years. So, yeah, the, the response to that opening game has been really good. It, it was one game. It was an extremely disappointing scoreline. And there's obviously reactions to that scoreline. But as I say, that the whole football club have re responded to that, that game really well. Uh, and we find ourselves now in a in a much better place. What do you think the key has been to turning things around? Not after that result, but Port Vale winning 13 games in League One all of last season. I know you weren't in charge during that period of time, but it's already five this year. So looking like you'll far surpass that. Is there something that you could put your finger on to say that there have been some key factors in terms of changing the mood within the camp or a style of football that's led to these results? Well, as I said right at the start, you we've recruited 14 new players. Um We've got some excellent senior players uh, who are really good role models. We've also got some really exciting young talent. Um, some who have come through our own academy system, people like James Plant, and we've recruited um, young loan players for, from some of the top clubs in the country, um, international players in their own right. So we think we've found a, a decent blend. Um, we're trying to play... A progressive style of football, which, as I say, we're only at the infancy of that, and hopefully we, we can get better in every aspect of that. But we, now we, we we're in an area of the country which is which is quite deprived. It's it's tough uh, being a football fan, but the support we've had from the Port Vale fans is really appreciated. I, I want them to come and watch our games and be excited and and be in love with their team and and see that their team are gonna gonna run around and and they really care about representing the club really well. Well, I have to say, they, they'll be impressed so far. They weren't after Barnsley. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Some will have changed their tunes as well and, and eating humble pie right now. But um, it's the the style of football, which for me is is kind of so great to see. You have those long periods of of control over matches, good territory. Um, and you say you want to have a progressive style. We're seeing that. We definitely are. And I know those Vale fans would have watched maybe something that was a little bit more attritional under under Daryl Clark. Um, that, that that high quality possession, has it been hard or easy to coach that into the players at, at your disposal? Um, I think it's something we, we're working on constantly. I think Saturday's game against Northampton was was the most evidence we've seen so far, so to speak. Um, we're trying to get control of games both with and without the ball. I think if you've got the ball, you, you're in much more control of, of stopping the opposition. But we're also playing to the strengths of the players we've got as well. And say when, when I got the manager's job um, in May uh, and obviously working alongside the club uh, and, and the owners with Carol and Kevin and Dave Flickcroft as the director of football, we wanted to change possibly the, the way we were playing. But you have to recruit to that as well. You have to play to the strengths of the players you've got. Uh, and that's what we're currently doing. 
defensively very good as well. Only three league goals conceded since that opening day defeat. What what pleases you most about how your defence is functioning at the moment? I've got to be honest you, we started off this morning's review against Northampton in a game we dominated with the ball. And the first five clips were shown to the players was our three front players doing 40-yard recovery runs to make a tackle. I think that says a lot about where the individuals are, where the group is collectively. We're working incredibly hard um, to become better, both individually and collectively, and that will hopefully continue. And looking ahead now, how do you think you build on this? Because hopes will be rising uh, amongst some of those Vale supporters. I guess you might think a little bit shorter term than the end result. You've got Burton coming tomorrow, of course. What would represent a good next phase of the season, if you like? Well, we're only, we're only looking at the next game, and I know it's maybe banded about, but our next challenge is Burton. That That's the next thing we're looking at. Um, we, we spoke as, as a group at, in pre-season about we wanted to be competitive in every single game. That, that was the very least that we wanted to do. We wanted to run around. We wanted to have some sweat on our shirts, and we want to be competitive. So we'll keep trying to do that same thing. We won't get ahead of ourselves. Um, as I say, we, we've reviewed Saturday's game this morning with the players. And everything we looked at was how do we get better in certain situations. So we're constantly looking for improvement, um, both individually and collectively. There's certainly no one getting carried away with anything we've done so far. We've made a solid start to the season, but we have to keep getting better. Andy, congratulations on that start. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much. Good to speak to you. Take care. Adrian Clark is alongside me. Adrian, Port Vale, um, I think the stats are fantastic. You know, the 7-0 defeat at Barnsley, OK. But eight wins and a draw in the nine games since then in all competitions. It was a 1-0 win uh, over Northampton at the weekend. What has impressed you most about Port Vale? Yeah, game management. They've won a lot of tight games. So, yeah, they're not running away with things, but they're, they're, they're boxing clever in matches. And they're showing patience. A lot of late goals, like that one from Ben Garrity. You know, this, he comes off the bench and just fizzes one into the bottom corner. It's a great goal. What I think they've done this year is... Get, I don't want to say they've been stodgy, but they've not played an attractive style of football, particularly in recent times. This time around, I think they've gone a different way. They've gone with younger players, with a lot of talent, uh, and they're giving them a platform to shine. And they're getting to play more possession football. They're dominating opponents in, in a way that they weren't before. They're imposing their game on the opposition more. And, and now that they're near the top of the table, or at the top of the table teams will set up more defensively against them. So they, they've got to get used to that. But yeah, I think they've made a real step forward this season. And head, hats off to Crosby because I wasn't that sure whether that was the right call on their part because he's not an experienced mm. manager. So he's, he's doing great. Uh, we're going to have more from League One when we return, including at Reading and Derby. But you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. It's made to challenge, made to debate and made to play. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Right, not long left on EFL All Access. Uh, Hughes and Croft here alongside the former Arsenal midfielder, uh, Adrian Clark. Uh, let's talk about Reading, shall we, Adrian? Yeah. Uh, unexpected 2-1 win over Bolton in League One. Bolton are blowing ho- uh, hot and cold, aren't they, at the moment under Ian Everett? Why is that? Yeah, well, I was surprised because I saw them in the flesh, albeit in the uh, EFL trophy against Salford. 
Uh, they played a very strong side that night and I thought they played great football and, and the bits I've seen of them uh, elsewhere this season, I've been impressed as well. So, yeah, this result shocked me. Um, I, I don't know if there's too much wrong there. They've got they've got good players all over the pitch. Mm. Um, excellent depth as well. I still think that Bolton will be there or thereabouts in regards to the top two, but they switched off in the second half of this game. Um, to their credit, Reading fought back. You know, they they fought well, didn't they? Good goal from Savage. Uh, Robbie mm-hmm. Savage's son, mm-hmm. Charlie. Good goal from distance. And then Vickers gets a goal as well. Um, I, given all that's going on there with the points deduction, with the tennis balls flying onto yeah. the pitch as well, I think the players deserve enormous credit for, for getting that win because no one really saw it coming. Uh, Paul Warren at Derby County mm. um, has some questions to answer regarding yeah. whether, what, what he feels his best side is and what kind of football they, they should be delivering. It was a one-all draw at home against Portsmouth. I think I think they played pretty well, to be honest, but didn't get the victory. Mm. Um, will there be pressure on Paul Warren soon? Because I think a lot of us expected Derby to be one of the standout teams in promotion. Yeah, they've only ever been in the third tier twice and they've got out of it. Um, within two years every time so they, there's a bit of pressure on Paul Warren to get them up this season otherwise this will be seen as the sort of lowest ebb in, in Derby County's history in terms of the standard of the team um, I've got a friend that goes and watches Derby um, most weeks and he says they look a slow laborious mid-table League One side he's not impressed <laughs> at all at the moment uh, and, and he was at pains to point out that Portsmouth absolutely deserved their equaliser on Saturday, even though it came very, very late from from Colby Bishop, that they warranted it. Derby didn't do enough to win. So, no, I think the football's not great under Paul Warren. You've got to kind of put up with that because he's a results guy. He's a great motivator. He's got a proven track record, but they won't play beautiful football. Um, When you don't play beautiful football, it's got to be winning football. And at the moment, not enough wins, unfortunately. So, yes, he'll be under pressure, but... If I were Derby, I, I would stick with him a little bit longer. Got to talk about Doncaster, who finally got their first win of the season yeah. away at Forest Green, two goals to one, a stoppage time winner as well. Um, how important do you think it was for Grant McCann's side, not in, only in terms of, of points, of course, but of the morale of the squad, of the football of club as well, to get their first victory? Massive, massive. Um, and, and Forest Green are struggling a lot, especially at home. So this was a winnable fixture. They conceded a lot of shots in this game. I only think Forest Green um, had 28 shots, if memory serves me right, in this game. So it's not as if Doncaster went went to the new lawn and shut up shop and, 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 and earned a confident away day victory. This was... They rode their luck big time. Did you see the goals? Oh, my goodness. Mm. Harrison begins with the overhead kick. That belongs in the Champions League. That returns tomorrow. <laughs> it came a couple of days too early. I mean, that that was a stunner. And then came the winner in the 96th minute from, from Ben Close. It's top corner. It's 30 yards out. But in my opinion here, it's a cross. I don't think, I don't think he meant it. I really don't think he meant it. But he doesn't care. Doncaster don't care. That that was just, it's, it's lift off for their season, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to talk very quickly about Wrexham. They beat Grimsby yeah. uh, three goals to nil, three league wins on the spin. This is what a lot of people were expecting from Wrexham after their promotion yeah. uh, last season. So finally getting 
uh, up to speed. But Stockport tomorrow, away from home, back-to-back wins for them. They yeah. beat MK Dons at the weekend, so this one could be a fantastic midweek clash. Good match, good match. Yeah, Louis Barry, we've talked about him before. He's got five in five. Finally fulfilling that potential we know he's got. So Stockport are definitely up and running. But Wrexham looks strong. That That's a terrific result. 3-0 at home to Grimsby. It's a couple of bullet headers in the game. And Elliot Lee, a player that, that, has, that has just performed outstandingly well ever since he joined them. He scored his seventh goal of the season already. You know, he's not even a centre-forward, Elliot Lee. Um, they they brought um, Stephen Fletcher in the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was up at a hotel with my wife, actually. We had a little, little couple of days away, a little spa, a little mm-hmm. spa break. And I saw Stephen Fletcher there. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> It was in Cheshire, and later that day he made his debut for Wrexham. I hadn't been aware that he joined them on a free. So that's another big name that they've got on board to go with James McLean, of course, who who joined earlier in the summer. I, I think Wrexham are absolutely going to be in the conversation for promotion. And and yeah, if, if they can sort their defence out like they did at the weekend, they'll be fine because mm. the issue has been conceding goals. We know that Wrexham can score for fun. If they can start keeping clean sheets, they'll probably go up. Okay, Adrian, been a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Remember, you can listen to us every Monday from 6pm here on TalkSport 2. If you miss any of the shows, you can listen back on the TalkSport app. We're also available as a podcast. You can download wherever you get your podcast from. Just search EFL All Access. Thanks for listening. I'm Hugh Wizencroft.